0: In this episode, I'm joined by a fantastic guest, and we are talking about some neighborhoods you can check out when you visit Washington, D.C. Now, D.C. may not be a huge city like New York or London, but there are over 100 neighborhoods here, all with their own unique style and vibe. When you come to D.C. as a visitor, especially your first time, your trip is probably centered around downtown and the National Mall, and that's okay. That's where most of the major museums and sites are concentrated. But I think if you really want to experience Washington, D.C., you need a mix of downtown federal government sites and local neighborhood stuff. I'm not saying you need to go to a hundred different neighborhoods, but even just walking around a few or going to a restaurant in them is a worthwhile experience. Now, I think most out-of-towners, when they hear Washington, D.C. neighborhoods, immediately think of Georgetown. It's a famous neighborhood with a ton of history, but we are not going to cover it in this episode because it's already been pretty well covered. The other neighborhood in DC with some name recognition is Capitol Hill, which is personally one of my favorites, but another that we're not going to talk about here today. Instead, my guest identified five neighborhoods that are a little less well-known than those two, but are still great for folks who are visiting DC. I hope you'll find some inspiration in this episode and maybe check out one or two or three of them when you come. With that said, let's get started. Welcome to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. Discover the best tips, tricks, and travel hacks for your visit to the nation's capital. And now, here's Rob and this episode's special guest. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or see the show notes from this episode, you can do that over at triphacksdc.com slash podcast. Today, I am joined by Paige Muller. Paige is the founder of Curious Caravan, a custom trip planning service that curates one-of-a-kind adventures and itineraries for curious explorers seeking the unexpected in Washington, D.C. Paige can tell you about everything from the big tourist sites to the most hidden of the hidden gems. If you're looking for help building the perfect D.C. trip itinerary, Curious Caravan is a great resource for you so Paige, welcome to the podcast
1: thank you so much it's great to be here
0: i'm really excited for this episode because since i started doing tripex dc five years ago i've always advised people that when you're thinking about an itinerary the best itinerary is a mix of the big tourist sites the stuff downtown the stuff on the national mall and some stuff a little bit more off the beaten path in the neighborhoods. But I realized that just telling people, hey, go to the neighborhoods is not too helpful if they don't really know what the neighborhoods even are.
1: Very true. I mean, I've lived in DC almost 10 years at this point. And to me, it's all about the neighborhoods.
0: And for context, there are over 100 neighborhoods in Washington, DC. Some of them uh, are well-known. Others, even I sometimes, uh, have to Google or to figure out, look on Google Maps where they are. So there's over a 100. But I have asked you to pick out five to share with everyone today. And hopefully, you know, folks will learn something new about some of our neighborhoods.
1: Yes, and it was so hard narrowing this list down to just five.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. To go from over a 100 to five, yeah, that's challenging.
1: Yeah, that was really hard.
0: (laughs) Well, let's jump into it. The first one that you narrow down what is neighborhood called dupont circle so where's this neighborhood located what's the best way to get there and what makes it unique
1: sure Um, so dupont circle is really not that far away from the national mall you know if you're walking it's you know straight up connecticut so it's maybe like a 10 15 minute walk from the national mall so it's really easy to get to Um, it's also very accessible by the metro on the red line so you know you can enjoy a nice stroll or just hop on a metro to get there. Um, and what I love about Dupont Circle is that you know I think people who do know it think it's this you know crazy place, and it kind of is, but it ha- it's this mix of stately old mansions and quirks. So it really does have something for everyone in this neighborhood.
0: I think when people think of Washington DC neighborhoods, especially when they think of Georgetown in particular, they think of those classic DC row houses. And I often tell people you don't have to just go to Georgetown to see those. I think Dupont Circle is a great example of that.
1: Yes, Dupont Circle has some of the most amazing former former um, you know, mansions in the area. This is an area where, you know, people with money settled. This was really the kind of the Ritz-Carlton area, uh, you know, when it got settled. So a lot of those uh, mansions are now embassies, and this area is actually called Embassy Row. Um, you can enjoy a walk from Australia to Africa, you know, all without leaving D.C. Um, you know, the homes are beautiful. Many of them are decorated outside with uh, public art, so you can, you know, you've got that as well. And also the great thing is that many of these embassies are open to the public. They do tours, so you're able to go in. They do events throughout the year. So you really do get to, get to experience the culture of these different places. And one of my favorite events every year in May is the Embassy Open House, where these embassies throw their doors open. And you know, this one day, you literally can travel around the world and go into all these embassies and learn about the countries, the cultures, you get to eat, drink, listen to the music. And it's just a really great way to celebrate our international community, which is so much a part of what D.C. is all about.
0: Yeah, I attended this year. It was fun. I I didn't go into too many. Um, You typically have to pick and choose. Uh,
1: You've really got to pace yourself. Yes, you got to strategize and pace yourself. It's impossible to do it all
0: yeah but it it is a great opportunity even if you don't go into all of them to wander around the neighborhood and see the diversity that you're talking about and so it's it's everything from the grand mansions that have become the embassies to the classic dc row houses there's apartment buildings and i think dupont circle is also interesting because it does have quite a few hotels in the neighborhood so when people are thinking about a trip to dc this is an area that is a mix of a place where people live and also a place where people stay. And that's a little different from, say, downtown, which is much more heavily on the you know place where people work and where there's hotels and where people stay. So I think that mix is really interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, you really do get a slice of life in DuPont because, as you said, it's a place where people live there. So, you know, you can relax in uh, the DuPont Circle Park and see people playing with their dogs, eating lunch. You know, there's people always there who are playing chess and they welcome people to stop by and and join in for a game. Um, You know, the park hosts music as well. But yeah, then there's some really great um, hotels in the area. So it's another great option for a place to stay if you don't You know, necessarily want to be in the heart of everything. Maybe you want a little bit more of of an authentic experience. So Dupont Circle certainly gives you that in a very comfortable, but in a very vibrant area. That's great for singles, families, you know, anyone who's looking for more than just the National Mall.
0: You mentioned the embassies. You mentioned the Dupont Circle Park itself. Any other particular sites of interest that visitors might? Want to check out?
1: Yes. Okay. So I have two. So uh, one is the Mansion on O Street, which is this really quirky place. It used to be um, several mansions, in fact, um, that were knocked together into this into this huge building. With and it's part mansion, part inn because you can also stay there. It's part art gallery. It's part antique shop. It's part you know, scavenger hunt. Um, there are over, I think, 100 rooms that you can try to find, you know, on a tour. I've I've gone several times. I have not found even half that number. Um, you know, there's all kinds of memorabilia that you can look at, that you can buy. Um, you know, fun fact, it was the home of Rosa Parks when she would come into D.C. There's actually um, a room that's dedicated to her. Um, you know, so it is really just a really quirky place um th- that is a lot of fun so that's one place i recommend then the other is dupont underground um it used to be a, a streetcar station you know, running right through the heart of dupont it um they tried to revive it throughout the years and didn't really have much luck but it's been revived as an underground art gallery um Local artists have decorated it, so there's some amazing graffiti by some of the best known graffiti artists in the city. It hosts all kinds of exhibits throughout the year um, there's performances live music um, you know but you also see the you know the tracks that are still down there mean um, if you wander further enough in the tunnels you know you can still see remnants of when it was an active streetcar station so it is just a really fabulous and quirky place um, and certainly someone that I highly recommend you visit because there's nothing else like it in DC for sure
0: those are two very unique picks I Agree with both. Although it feels like whenever I go to DuPont Circle, um, the underground is not open every day and it is used for events. So definitely check the official website to make sure there's an event happening on the day you want to go. It feels like I always, you know, bad luck uh, seem to miss them, but definitely a very cool space, uh, if nothing else. Now, when it comes to neighborhoods, eating is a big part of any trip. And so people always ask me for my picks, and I'm going to do exactly the same for you, Paige. So DuPont Circle, any particular food or restaurant picks in the area?
1: Okay, so one of my favorites is Kramer's. Uh, It used to be Kramer's Books, and it is still a bookstore, but it's a bookstore slash restaurant slash bar. And it's just really comfy, cozy. I mean, I love books. So there's nothing better than getting lost in a bookstore. But there's, you know, there's. Eating outside. They've got a great little bar space. It's, um, you know, and the food is also really good. So it's a really fun place. It's uh, you know, easy to get to. So that's one of the places I actually love to go, especially for brunch. The brunch is amazing, uh, you know, because then after that, you can, you know, browse for books or browse for books first and then read them with brunch. Uh, my other favorite place is a an Italian place called La Tomate. It's been there for 30 years and it's a neighborhood bistro and it's just comfy, cozy. You almost feel as if you've been transported to Italy. The food is delicious. Um, you know, you've know, you got a great view of the hustle and bustle um, on Connecticut Avenue, but you're kind of set away from it a little bit. So that is, those are two of my favorite places to eat in DuPont Circle. Oh, actually, and one more before I forget. Uh, Je ne sais quoi. It is a French bakery. It is wonderful. It's very anonymous looking, but it is some of the best pastries I have ever had outside of Paris. You also get a stellar cup of coffee or cappuccino. It's small, so there's really not a ton of room for seating unless you go early. But I highly recommend you go in, you pick up something, and then you head over to the park and just enjoy the day, enjoy the weather, and enjoy people watching. So those are my three food picks.
0: Fantastic. And part of the reason I'm asking about your picks is for the sake of the audience, of course, but also for my own sake, because I did not know about that French bakery, and I am a sucker for a good cup of coffee. So I think the next time I'm in the area, I may check it out myself.
1: Excellent. Don't blame me for the calories.
0: Uh, So that's north of uh, the National Mall. DuPont Circle is north of the National Mall. The next neighborhood that you had picked out to talk about is South. Of the National Mall, and it's a neighborhood um, that's also a quadrant. So, for folks who are not familiar with the layout of Washington D.C., the Capitol Dome is right in the center of our street grid, and then we have the four quadrants: Northwest, Northeast, Southeast, and Southwest. And because of the geography of where the Capitol is located near the Potomac River uh, boundary of the city, Southwest is the smallest quadrant. And in many ways, the quadrant is a neighborhood itself. So. Can you
1: tell us a little bit about Southwest? Sure. Well, I think a lot of people probably know uh, the Wharf neighborhood, if you if you um, are talking about Southwest. It is one of the newest neighborhoods, um, you know, but I've lived in this area a very long time. So, you know, I knew it before any of the new condos or hotels were built. It is a residential area. But if you're also going over to the Wharf, there is so much to see and do. Um, as I mentioned, it is the newest area. There is dining, there's live music, there's history, there's a distillery, um, and there's also some amazing waterfront um, activities. You can take a water taxi to Georgetown, over to Alexandria, and it's a great spot for families um, What what I will say that the Wharf and that entire community have done a really great job of making it feel like part of the community. There are, uh, you know, games that kids can play. There's huge swings that you can sit on, you know, walking up and down sort of the boardwalk and just seeing the houseboats and seeing the water taxi. So it's a very vibrant area where there's a lot to see and do. But also if you go further from that into the neighborhoods, you really get a sense of the history just another way to experience what DC has to offer and how each neighborhood kind of has its own flavor.
0: Yeah, I think what's amazing is that you have the Wharf and it's very popular and it's very new. It just opened in 2017. Phase one opened in 2017. Phase two is opening this year, 2022. And you can walk down the boardwalk. And when you get to the end, you continue walking and you wind up at uh, this thing called the Titanic Memorial, which looks like, you know, you know, the famous scene from the movie with.
1: Well, you know, to be fair, I've never seen the movie, but I do know the scene. <laughs> I know the scene. I know the scene.
0: <laughs> Maybe you've seen a clip of it. And then you turn left and you start walking into the neighborhood and it's like a totally different world. I mean, it just feels completely different. And so just the contrast and, and you've just walked uh you know, not even a mile. And you go from this contrast of this very, very new thing to uh, this very, very quieter, more quaint, more historic place. I think that's really fascinating and fun to do.
1: Yeah, say, I totally agree with you. It is really a great mix of kind of the old and the new, um, and they really do work well side by side. Um, you know, you could easily go from, you know, listening to music at the Anthem, one of the popular parts, um, you know, and then you said you kind of walk into the neighborhood. You can go over to Arena Stage and see a fabulous play. Um, or one of my favorite spots over there is the Southwest Duck Pond. It's just this little oasis in the middle of the neighborhood. You know, it has little areas where you know, you can kind of lounge and it's secluded. Um, and they've really done a great job of activating that space as well. They do events there. They do this thing called uh, the Southwest Bid Sunday Dinners, where they really are bringing the community together. Um, and it's just a you know really nice way to experience um, another part of the city.
0: I bet most visitors have no idea about the duck pond, even though it's only a few blocks off of the boardwalk.
1: Yeah, and it's so absolutely lovely. You know, there are ducks in the duck pond. (laughs) And, you know, it's just a nice way to escape kind of the hustle and bustle of the wharf. You know, I love the wharf, but if you go on the weekends, it can get to be a little much. So it's just kind of nice if you want to, you know, catch your breath, you know, sit down, sit a spell, uh, you know, maybe grab something to eat, take it over, relax. So, yeah, it's just a lovely little green space to kind of get away from it all in the middle of it all.
0: Okay. So we've talked about concert venues. We've talked about distillery. What other points of interest are located over in this area that you want to call out?
1: So one of my favorites, and this one is kind of unusual, is the Westminster Presbyterian Church. The reason I want to call this out is because they have an amazing and long-running music program on Friday nights. Some of the best jazz musicians locally and nationally play there. Um, there's a cafeteria in the basement, w- which has the best fish fry I have come across. You know, it's like $15 and you get a jazz concert like you would not believe, something that you would maybe experience, you know, in Georgetown at Blue's Alley. Um, then on Monday nights uh, at the same place, it is soul music. And again, some of the best soul musicians, R&B artists play. And, you know, it's in the middle of the neighborhood. You kind of have to know that that's happening. So I love it that it's, you know, some of the best musicians in the world down the street from more well-known places. You know, like I mentioned, the Anthem, um, Union Stage, Pearl Warehouse. But it's just such a little treat. And it's like nothing else. So that is one of my... um, favorite places i mentioned the duck pond Um, and i also love arena stage you know kennedy center gets all the love but arena stage is also a fabulous place to see some you know premiere plays you know a lot before they um before they debut on broadway um they do a lot of plays that speak to the african-american experience which makes sense given the demographic of the neighborhood and again, it's really close to the warp, so you can do you know dinner and a play very easily. So those are my two picks. And you'd mentioned the, ty- the Titanic Memorial. That is definitely um, one that you want to check out when you're there as well.
0: Yeah, don't sleep on DC's theater scene. I mean, it's not as famous as Broadway, but it's it's awfully good.
1: It's amazing. Yeah, the theaters have come back full force. I've been seeing so many amazing plays this year. I'm just so thrilled and proud that you know, that DC affords me the opportunity to see so many plays um, of, you know, so many different genres. Uh,
0: So dinner and a show then, where are you going to eat? What are your food picks?
1: Oh, so this one is hard because there are so many places to eat. One I'm going to pick is uh, Colada Shop. Um, It is an all-day Cuban cafe in a great coffee, of course. Um, Great rum-based cocktails. You know, the food is great. You can sit outside. You you know see the water. So that is one of my favorite places. The other, you know, you're you're by the water. You're gonna want some seafood. Hank's Oyster Bar, great great food, especially their uh, their crab dip and the beloved oyster roll, uh, lobster rolls, which you can get to go. And then if you want something that's maybe a little away from the wharf, I also really like Station Four which has a fantastic theater prefix menu. So again, if you're looking to go out to the theater, you want good food, but you know you don't have, you know, kind of much time, Station 4, it's a modern American bistro, really good food, and again, like steps away from Arena Stage. So those are my, those are my picks, but really you can't go wrong with anything over there. Everything is great.
0: Yeah, although I will say I... Uh, have heard that there's going to be some Gordon Ramsay restaurants opening up at phase two of the war. <laughs> so maybe you can go wrong. I'm not a big fan of his. So.
1: Well, you know what? I, I'll i say I'm curious. I've seen all of his shows, you know, got to know him when I lived in England. So, you know, I've seen the American and British versions of his shows. But I'm really curious about his food. He, he dishes us out. But really, I'm curious about his own culinary skills. So, you know, I'm going to give it a try.
0: Fair enough. It is called Curious Caravan for a reason. (laughs) Okay. So, next neighborhood that you identified is north of where most folks who stay, who visit DC, are going to stay. And it's called Brookland. And it is not Brooklyn like the New York City borough, it is Brookland. uh, And so, what can you tell us about Brookland?
1: Uh, Well, let's see. Aside from the name, which does trip people up for sure, um, it's also known as Little Rome. Um, And the reason is because it has the highest concentration of Catholic institutions um, that is only second to the Vatican. The Catholic University is located there. The Basilica of the National Shrine um, is there. And also there's a Franciscan monastery. And all of those places are very worthy um, of a visit, you know, regardless of your, you know, religious background. You know, the architecture of these buildings is simply stunning. The uh, The Basilica is just, I mean, you know, National Cathedral, you know, Tends to take up all the oxygen, but this is it's so worth a visit. It is absolutely beautiful inside. Um, and I'll you know, I love going there during the holidays when they've got all of the Christmas trees, and it is it is just really a, a, a sight for the eyes. It's just a feast, so that is definitely worthy of a visit. And then the Franciscan monastery, you know, i had heard about it for years, uh, before I moved to the city, and I was like, well, that just doesn't make sense. Like, why on earth would there be a Franciscan monastery in D.C. of all places? But it's true. It is, there is one. And the selling point for this place is the gardens, which are stunning. There's more than a 100 variety of roses. Um, There's also uh, full-size replicas of shrines of the Holy Land. Um, So it's, you know, worth going in the spring when everything is in bloom or in the fall when the colors are turning. And it is, you know, not surprisingly, very peaceful, very tranquil, and it's just really a place of, of peace and meditation, um, you know. But also great history. The tours that they offer are are fabulous because you get the history, you've got, uh, you know, the story behind, uh, you know, how it was founded, why it was founded, and then another thing that I learned about the monasteries that. I have been wanting to do forever is that there there is a little retreat on the grounds, you know, where you can go, you're in seclusion. Uh, you can go to morning mass. You can, you know, just do yoga, whatever you want there, and you know, it sounds absolutely beautiful. It's, you know, I think like less than a hundred dollars to do to to stay there. So yeah, it is a wonderful place to visit.
0: Yeah, I think stunning is probably about the right word to describe how it looks and of course during the spring when the cherry blossoms are in bloom everybody's over on the tidal basin including me i'm over there plenty and of course a lot of locals they're always really nervous about oh we don't want we don't want word to get out about the franciscan monastery and everybody's going to come up here because we like having it as a little tranquil place so i have to be careful Um, some locals might be upset that we're talking about this right now i think it's really interesting that it's called little rome Uh, i was talking to some fellow locals recently, and they had never heard that before. I was kind of surprised, but then we kind of decided, well, maybe it should really be called the little Vatican rather than little Rome because of the way, what you described.
1: <gasps> that is very true. But yeah, it is a beautiful spot. It's residential, but Definitely a gem that is worth that is worth visiting. Um, another reason why I love this area is because of its rich African American um, history. You know, during segregation, uh, you know, once kind of housing laws were lifted, a lot of um, professors or people who had connections to Howard University settled in this area, and there are five stops on the African American Heritage Trail that you can visit right in this neighborhood, including um, Ralph who was the first African-American to win a Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a lot of, you know, rich history that you can experience, you know, just just kind of walking around, taking it all in. Um, So it's definitely another, that's definitely another reason why I love this neighborhood. There's so much to explore that you really wouldn't expect.
0: And we haven't even really talked about the fact that it's also... I don't want to call it a college town, but it's kind of like a little college neighborhood because like you said, the Catholic University of America is right there and it's a not a huge, but a fairly decently sized university. so there's college kids hanging around. You've got a lot of amenities that would appeal to them, but then you've also got, it's very residential and you've just got a lot of long time residents who live there too.
1: Yes, and it's also got a very thriving um, kind of art center, um, the Monroe Street uh, Market. They do an art walk every Friday. Um, it's an, a brick paved um, area that has about 20 or so galleries and studios So, you know, you can go, you know, on Fridays, it's fantastic because usually all of them are open. So you can, you know, stroll, pop in, say hi, get to know them. And that is, you know, another part of of why I love it because I'm a huge supporter of local businesses. Uh, You know, local creatives um, and just having that opportunity to get to meet the people who, you know, sell the products that I want to buy to me is invaluable to have that connection. So, you know, like when I look around my home, I, you know, I know the artist who painted my, you know, who painted a picture or who made, you know, this fantastic bag for me. So that is a, a huge selling point that I think everyone should take advantage of. You know, just go down and see the amazing products that are that are created by people right here in D.C.
0: And I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but this is uh, the neighborhood that's probably the farthest away from downtown. So to get here, you can get here easily, though. That's the good news is that even though y- you might not be walking here, you could, it'd be a long walk, but most folks are <laughs> most folks are going to take the metro and there is the Brookland Station on the Red Line. So very easy to get to, uh, just find your way to the Red Line and then you can get up here. So let's close it out with your food picks, your restaurant picks. In this okay.
1: Area. Well, as you, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, it is a college town and what is a college town without some great places to eat and drink. One of my favorites is Brookland pint, uh, which is right on the corner of the Monroe market that I mentioned. Uh, they have, I think about like 25 beers on tap, um, really great comfort foods, you know, some fantastic burgers. So, it's, and it's very buzzy on the weekends. It's families that are out. It's you know the artists that are coming into the studio. So it's it's a a great hive of activity with some great food. Then also um, the Brookland Tasting Room, which um, is the right proper brewing company's place where they brew. Um, they have one in Shaw as well, which we'll be talking about. Um, they offer free tours, um, and they have. Uh, It varies how many beers that they have on tap. Um, You know, usually like 10 to 12. Great chance to support um, a local brewery and, you know, and try out some of their product. And then another one that I like, which is um, a little bit more folksy, I guess you could say, uh, (laughs) Murray and Paul's. It's a cash only place, but it is some of the best breakfasts you're going to find. You know, great portions. You know, locally owned. You know, you hear some great stories when you're in there. Um, So, those are my those are some of my picks of where to eat in that neighborhood.
0: I think one thing that I've been thinking about lately is there's so few cash-only places left, and most places have kind of. I don't. I don't want to make them feel bad, but you know, gotten with the times, they're taking credit cards now. A place that is still cash-only they're only able to do that because it's so good and they have such a loyal customer base that those folks are still willing to go to the ATM, get out the money and go there. So to me, that's actually nowadays in 2022, perhaps a little signal of something great.
1: Exactly. It's been around forever. And you know, if you go and eat, you'll certainly see why. You'll see why locals love it.
0: Okay. So we talked uh, about a brewery that also has a location in Shaw, which is the next neighborhood. So let's go down the street to Shaw. Now, some people call this U Street. I think that's not quite accurate. The name of the neighborhood is Shaw. U Street is one of the main streets in the neighborhood. So we're going to call it Shaw, I think, uh, for this discussion. But if you hear someone call it U Street, they're usually referring to roughly the same place.
1: Yes, exactly. And thank you so much for pointing that out, Um, because it is an entire neighborhood. Um, But as you mentioned, U Street is the most famous uh, part of this neighborhood. And the reason why is because it was also known as Black Broadway. Um, You know, the neighborhood itself was the center of um, kind of middle class, African-American life and culture in D.C. during a time of segregation, you know, professors from Howard uh, writers, poets, musicians all called this center home. Um, and so it is very historic. There's a, so much history. I like to, you know, I think of it as kind of living history because, you know, you're walking in the footsteps of people who gave it its name, who made it such a great spot. Um, and I will say that Cultural Tourism DC has done a fabulous job. Of keeping the history alive with a lot of signage and a lot of placards, so um, it's a great way to learn the history of this neighborhood. Is to um, you know look for those signs and placards, and you know find out who lived there and the people who you know kind of made their name there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I will also say, so the signs, the materials out on the street, those are great. I actually took a guided tour of Shaw last winter. It was a tour uh, specifically about. Any of the musicians who lived uh, and worked and sang and played music in the neighborhood. And man, that was so good. And I learned a ton. So even though I don't give a tour of this area, it's one that I'm not an expert in when you can find a good tour guide who can show you around this area. Oh, it's so worth it.
1: So worth it. I mean, and another way to learn the history of the area is through the murals. Like I love murals so much. Um, so it's another reason why I love uh, this neighborhood is because the murals here tend to be, to commemorate a person, um, an act, uh, you know, a milestone, whereas in other parts of the city you're looking at maybe just more kind of contemporary designs or something that's, you know, pretty. But here in this area, there is context for all of the art. Um, And it's another way that it keeps the history alive because it, you know, it commemorates the people who made it what it is walking along and, you know, kind of looking into those alleyways and on sides of building is very well worth it. Um, it's another way to learn about, um, about this neighborhood.
0: The murals are super cool. I love the art. Uh, what other sites of interest, points of interest can folks look for when they're here?
1: Well, obviously Howard Theater, um, an historic building um, where so many greats played, including you know Duke Ellington, who's actually who lived in this neighborhood. Uh, Shaw is what the place that he called home. You can also visit several of his homes. It, Howard is still open, still doing fantastic shows. Um, There's a fairly recent addition. uh, It's the Howard Walk of Fame, which is right outside the building. There are some bronze medallions done by a local artist, uh, Jay Coleman, who is fabulous, that commemorate some of the historic entertainers that played um, at Howard. So highly recommend that. And then there's also a fantastic mural right next to Right Proper Brewing, which is right next to it that commemorates um, kind of the jazz era of um, of the neighborhood. And if you go inside, uh, so if you go inside and look to your right, there is a mural on the wall there. That is the existing wall of the pool hall that used to be there. And this is the pool hall where Duke Ellington played when he was a kid and where he, you know, listened to touring musicians um, and got curious about art, uh, about music and learning how to play and kind of where he decided that this is what he wanted to do, um, you know, with his life and make this a career. Um, And so it kind of commemorates his journey, you know, when he was a teen and who, so he probably shouldn't have been in the pool hall, but regardless, um, it's a great, um, it's a great uh, relic that is still, that's there. And you can see
0: live music there. I mean, they still have concerts there.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So it's not like, it's not like an old fashioned theater that you just kind of look in like it's a museum. It's an actual working performance venue.
1: Exactly, exactly there's so many in this neighborhood that i so many things here that i love i mean everyone knows ben's chili bowl you know it's it's a must and the food is great but also another reason why i love going is that uh, virginia ali who founded it along with her husband uh, still comes in and she is an absolute Delightful woman, you know. So just even on the off chance that you might have a chance to to meet her, um, I would suggest you, you know, suggest you go. It is still family owned, family run. Her sons are there, you know. So it's always great to see them because they are such a fixture of U Street of Shaw of DC. I mean, Ben's Chili Bowl is synonymous with DC at this point. Um, And then I also love the African American um, Civil War museum. You know, it, it's a part of history that is not very well known, um, you know, doesn't kind of get the spotlight that it deserves. So I love this museum and how they have dedicated to telling that part of the story. Um, it's being renovated right now, but they are still active. They, um, you know, still do a lot of great programming. One of their programs that I think is so worth it is called... Um, Founders Day, um, and it's something to look on their calendar and see when they have it. Is that kind of anyone who has a connection to the colored troops or that period of history um, is welcome to come in and talk about their connection to either someone who served or um, you know family histories. And it is such a fascinating way of looking at history, not as just something that happened. But here are the people. Uh, here are the stories that make it so important, so rich. Um, that make it more than just dates. The time that I went, a family had researched their, you know, had researched their background, had gone to national archives, had done just years and years of history, and found, you know, that one of their relatives, uh, you know, had served um, in the colored troops. That his name was actually on the memorial. Um, they looked up you know, because he was a slave, they found, you know, when, you know, where he was sold, where he ended up, you know, how his life ended up. And it was beyond amazing. You know, it's a small but mighty museum and well worth the trip.
0: Small but mighty. I think that's the perfect way to describe it. And there is an outdoor monument uh, memorial as well. So just in case you're hearing this and you're like, oh, I'm really bummed, you know, it's under renovation. I'm going to be there. You can still see the outdoor memorial as well. So, Ben's Chili Bowl is the most famous food in the neighborhood. And that's it's more on the inexpensive end of the price scale. But I think right now, 2022, Shaw has to have the biggest concentration of the award winning restaurants, you know. Uh, and that includes your Michelin star winners and all your other local award winners. There's a lot of good places to eat. So, You will not go hungry in this neighborhood, especially if you're on vacation and you're willing to splurge. You will have more than enough choices. But what are your picks, Paige? Where will you go?
1: Uh, Well, you mentioned Michelin Star. One of my favorites is Unconventional Diner, which is a Michelin Star winner. It is elevated comfort food. You know, so like their meatloaf is amazing, but it's not like your mom's meatloaf. It, uh, you know, it has bacon and it's you know they do a lot to um, to their foods to make it homey and approachable but really displaying um, their culinary technique and the food is absolutely delicious um, so that is one that I highly recommend and then I uh, would also suggest, exploring some of the Ethiopian restaurants that are in the neighborhood. Uh, D.C. has one of the largest or actually the largest Afri- um, Ethiopian population outside of Africa. And there's um, on 9th Street, which is here, has been renamed Little uh, Ethiopia. And um, there's so many restaurants um, offering that type of cuisine. So, you know, maybe go out of your comfort box a little bit and, and try some Ethiopian food. There's some really great places for you to try here.
0: I love Ethiopian food, and I understand that for many visitors that it might be their first time they've ever tried it. And now, granted, Ethiopian food is, you know, they're expanding. They're going to more cities. Uh, so it's not just D.C. anymore. But for a lot of people from a lot of parts of the world, this might be their first time. And people often ask me, well, what what place should I go to? Because it's overwhelming to choose. And I always just say, it doesn't matter. Go to Ninth Street. Walk into the first one. You see, you're going to get a good meal.
1: I agree. Yeah, there's no such thing as bad Ethiopian food, I don't think. I've, Or at least I've never come across it. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, not that I've had.
1: Yeah, same. So go and try it.
0: All right. Excellent. So let's travel to our final neighborhood. This one is in the northeast part of the city. And it is called Noma, which is spelled capital N, lowercase O, capital M, lowercase A. And that's in, in New York City style because they do this with a lot of their neighborhoods. It's uh, short for North of Massachusetts Avenue. And this is a really fascinating area to me because for a long time there wasn't a lot over in this area it was kind of a more industrial area near union station and after the red line was built in the 70s they added an extra station onto the red line and it's the station that's now right in the middle of this neighborhood noma so as far as neighborhoods go this one's not an old historic one like dupont circle or is Southwest or Brookland. This is one of the newer neighborhoods. So, what's it like?
1: You know, and I admit, I like I said, I live, I've lived in this area for a long time. So, you know, we used to just call this kind of Gallaudet um, because Gallaudet uh, University is here, and that was the most well-known uh, kind of landmark. So, you, you know, old timers, you'll still hear us call it that. It took me a long time to to start calling it Noma, but Noma is is funky. You know, if you love Murals, you know, I'd mentioned some of the murals um, that you see in Shaw. You're going to see so many more in this neighborhood. It's one of the ways that they've really kind of put their stamp on their neighborhood. Um, they host um, an annual event. Um, it's now called uh, DC Walls, and it is a mural festival uh, for 10 days where muralists and graffiti artists from around the world come, and, you know, they're given a wall or, you know, side of a building you know, kind of wherever there's space. And they are allowed to create. Um, There's more than 80 murals um, that are in this neighborhood now. Um, This year, I want to say it's the seventh annual. Um, And, you know, it's a great opportunity to, um, you know, meet local artists. Um, You know, they do a mural tour. So you can see some of the murals that have, you know, that were there from previous years and see new ones coming up. So that's one of the kind of, Calling cards of this neighborhood, um, but also the other thing you're going to probably associate with this neighborhood most is Union Market. You know, if you are a foodie, this is the place to be. It's a it's a food hall, and if you're not familiar with that, it's a lot of food places in one one spot. So kind of like a food court, and there is literally something for everyone. Um, It changes quite often. So, you know, it's like a a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You can sample everything from seafood to food to pub food from Britain to, oh, gosh, you know, you you name it and and you can find it there. Um, And they opened a second um, food hall which specializes in food from Latin America. So you've got sort of these two uh, culinary profiles going on. You know, you're definitely never gonna you're never gonna go hungry um, over in this area. You know, there's shops, uh, so you can wander, you can eat, you can shop. Um, there's also more artwork here um, that's been going up. So really, there's something for all the senses. You can you know look at art, eat food, shop. So there's a lot to do here.
0: This is definitely the foodie area. And the reason I described earlier this area as being industrial is because before they opened up the food hall, this whole Union Market area was like a place where you would buy wholesale. So, like if you owned a restaurant, you would go to Union Market in the morning to pick out your produce and pick out your uh, meats and fish. And there's like a restaurant supply store there where you can like buy you know, giant cooking vessels for your, kit. you know, restaurant kitchen, and then they opened up the food hall and it's just totally transformed into this like foodie paradise. So if you describe yourself as a foodie and you're a traveler and you're going to come to DC, well, you got to know about Noma, you got to know about Union Market.
1: That is for sure. You know, and there's still a few of those wholesale places left, um, you know, depending on when you go, uh, you know, beginning of the week, you'll see, you know, fresh produce being delivered. You'll see restaurant quality cooking supplies um, going in. So, yeah, if you're a cookie who uh, if you're a foodie who likes to eat or foodie who likes to cook, this is definitely the place to be because you can get all of your needs met in this part of town.
0: OK, so with all that talk about food, let's wrap up this Uh, neighborhood with where you go to eat page.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So I will say one of my favorite things to do is to go into Union Market or the Latin Market and just kind of pick and choose a bunch of different things and have kind of an impromptu picnic with just lots of different foods. So like a smorgasbord of options, you know, either eat outside or there's a space called High Lawn, which is inspired by um, High Line in New York. Um, And it's this AstroTurf uh, rooftop, you know, venue where you can sit up, sit up there. You can have drinks, you can eat. It's got a great view of the entire area, you can play games. So that's one of the things I love to do over there. But like specific places to eat in Union Market, one of my all time favorites. I followed them from when they were at Eastern Market in another part of town. Um, over here, it's Puddin' Puddin, it is soul food, New Orleans style po' boy, shrimp and grits, uh, beans and rice. Uh, their bread pudding is to die for. I love everything on their menu, um, and it's woman owned. She's lovely, so that gets my big thumbs up. The another place is Destino, which is in the Latin market, um, and it's kind of contemporary Mexican food. So. Maybe not what you would expect. So it's not, you know, like Tex-Mex. So it's contemporary food, but absolutely delicious. And I highly recommend the cocktails. I was there for brunch with a friend of mine and we sampled um, all of them.
0: Very good. Well, Paige, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your knowledge about these five great areas that visitors can check out on a future trip. There's over a hundred neighborhoods in DC and we've only talked about five. So this only scratches the surface and maybe in the future we'll, we'll do another five. I don't know. Um, but in the meantime, where can folks go to learn more about Curious Caravan, follow you, contact you? Where, where are you on the internet?
1: Where am I on the interweb? Uh, my website is curious- caravan.com you can follow me on instagram at curious underscore caravan um if you'd like to get in touch with me uh you know to find out about creating your own custom itinerary feel free to drop me an email at page that's p-a-i-g as in girl e at curious caravan.com.
0: and i will say if page designs you an itinerary you're going to eat well because her picks today i uh if, if i haven't been Uh, enthusiastic for them. They are top notch. So well done.
1: Thank you so much. This has been so much fun.
0: Uh, Absolutely. And I will have a link in the show notes to all of these things. So don't don't worry about your dashes and your underscores. They'll all be in the show notes so you can get in touch with Paige. Thanks for listening to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. To see the show notes from today's episode, get additional resources for planning your trip or to book a Trip Hacks DC guided tour, visit triphacksdc.com.